Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We shall find out. There's no question about it. Wall Street Journal. America had quiet quitting in China. Young people are letting it rot. What the hell ever that means. Now, China's ruling Communist Party wants the country's young people to be ambitious, work hard, and prepare for adversity. Yeah, good luck to you. Uh, Li Jiajia wants to, to win the lottery. Demoralized by a weak economy, unfulfilling jobs, and a paternalistic state, young Chinese such as Li are uh, looking for pathways out of the carefully scripted lives their elders want for them, putting themselves at odds with the country's priorities. After moving to Beijing from her hometown in southeastern China in April, the 24-year-old Li found her job, her new job, as a uh, content creator at a technology startup uninspiring. She said she has no desire to climb the corporate ladder, especially when the number of high-paying Chinese tech jobs is shrinking. Why would they be shrinking the number of jobs? you think they'd be getting bigger. You would think. Tech, uh, China had a massive tech boom recently, and half of the yeah. jobs are in the tech industry. So why, they're talking about jug, why are those jobs shrinking now? Why, why would that be happening? Uh, it's a great question. Maybe that jobs are animated now. I mean, they can be uh, automated. AI could be used, or it could be, uh, you know, the whole. Um, yeah, I mean, like the grunt work for a lot of tech jobs is becoming obsolete for sure. Like moderating for one, like yeah. moderate moderators are barely necessary anymore. Tech support, that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot like of that building, is going away. They're building the tech that's like going to take over their own job a lot of the times mm. when it comes to the big tech boom. Yeah, or like with Spotify. When they kind of whatever had their boom and they over, uh, whatever overhired over, and now oh they God, yeah, they've got to cut so it could be something like that as well. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's during a boom. I mean, these companies are hiring tens of thousands of people who they don't even need. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sure there's like some tax reason or something that they do it because you know these companies don't become multi-billion-dollar global conglomerates by not knowing how to, you know, work money. But they all do it. They all hire like 20,000 useless people and then sit on them for like five to 10 years. And then as soon as the time comes to, for the bubble to start bursting, they're the first people to go. It's like, why do they do it? Well, that's my question. Why do they do it? One of the problems they're having, and this, this has happened in other generations, I guess, but the disconnect between the boomers and you guys is huge. We literally agree on nothing. Do you think that's part of it? Because we can't agree on anything? I don't know. I think... I think Brittany's trying to uh, respond without saying, I disagree, Tom. <laughs> right. Yeah, that it just proves the point. It just proves well, the point, exactly. I don't know. I'm trying to think if like that is an ever-present thing, is that... I um, think it is. Is the idea that uh, we're online arguing with boomers, like with... I don't know. Like I, I don't use social media to communicate all that much. Like, no, I don't, I'm not on it at all. I'm talking, well, on this very show, we hardly agree on anything. 
I don't think that's necessarily true. What's that? I don't think that's necessarily true. Well, no. I mean, this morning we've agreed on nothing this morning so far. Maybe the small stuff, like... Well, yeah, I'm not saying it's all big stuff. You're right. No, like the flavor of something or how we do something or how we communicate. But, like, I think a lot of times the things that really matter, we line up whatever. And and, I mean... I think so. Well, it's like, like, what, what, what have you disagreed about today? I don't know. Mostly entertainment things. Well, I mean... Not that big a deal. Entertainment sucks. No, it, I mean, it is a big. It's a big disconnect in these two generations, though. They agree on nothing. When you, I, I've been doing a lot of reading about this. They have completely different viewpoints. Um, and the thing about that is, I, I don't think people understand the greatest generation, being the parents of the boomers, did an amazing job keeping this earth spinning. Because I'm sorry, but if it wasn't for the United States of America, this planet would be in a much different state. Although we're heading toward that commie bullshit anyway, so maybe it was a complete waste of time. But um, yeah, so there was a lot of pressure on people in my generation to perform, to thank the previous generation, which basically did save the Earth from being a complete shithole, which it would have been under Hitler. There's no question about that. Um, and but now you guys and your generation comes along and you're looking to work less, not more. Well, I don't know. Look at the difference between the greatest generation and like the hippies, free love. Oh, you know, doubt about it. You're absolutely right. I mean, there was they, a definitely a massive yep. contingent of boomers who were like, whatever dad wants me to do, I'm going to do the opposite. Oh, that, that, that's always going to happen. You're absolutely right mm-hmm. about that. And, and you are correct about that, that whole hippie generation thing. But that was more about. Where can I buy and find some pot and get laid? That was that, that is, old generation. Uh, that is true. Still asking that. Mm-hmm. I was not, I was not a good hippie. I would not have been a good hippie. I wore long no. hair sometimes, but I just uh, they don't make a good hippie. I never had long hair. Hippie. Yeah, I don't even see you sitting on the ground. Like I don't. Th- <laughs> no, that's true. That's just not like that something true. I see you doing. So, do you think we can semi kind of meet in the middle on some of this stuff? Yeah, it's funny because like. Most of my day is with older people. Um, I start off my day with you, Tom, and I have a lovely time here. And then I hang out with my mom a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's other shows I'm on with older people. And so I don't know. I I don't do your go go scream. (laughs) Nah. In the back. My mom's lying on the the podcast right now. I can hear her lying. That's the only bitch I don't get along with. She says, she says, I'm not having a good time with older people right now. What's that, Andy? Go-Go is not having a good time with older people. No, she's not having that. She's yes. not agreeing with older people at the moment. No, she is not. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with you. You're the older person in that one. Yeah. We're all the older person in her world. In her world, yes, we're all the older person. I just, um, it's, it's one of those situations now. The hatred in the world right now is disgusting. I, like I said, I wouldn't waste a minute of my life hating someone. There are people I don't like, but I just don't go anywhere near them. And I don't yeah. say, you shouldn't go anywhere near them either. You guys do what you do. I do what I do. I don't happen to like that person, but I'm not going to hate them. What a waste of energy that is. Yeah, I think it's weird. I notice that once in a while, it doesn't come up often, but there's this like hatred for teenagers and really? early 20-year-olds. Well, teenagers yeah. are obnoxious. But, like, I hung out with, there was this this uh, 19-year-old girl who, uh, is, her, her mom lives in Duluth, and she'll, she uh, asked to come over and hang out and, you know, just kind of be part of a family dynamic. And 
it was really funny because the way she communicates with her friends is via Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So as we're talking, she'll take a picture of her own head and just send it off. And it won't even mm -hmm. be a good one. No. But I thought it was funny. It was like, what do you do? Because yeah. like, literally in mid-sentence, she'll go Shh, and send it up. And I'm like, yep. these are hideous photos. It's like a <laughs> yeah. neck and like an eyebrow. And I'm like. Yeah, I remember I, I was at the, I think it was the Carver County Fair. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we were walking along. And all of a sudden, this Zoomer kid comes up to me, and he's like, hey, can you take a picture of me really quick? And I'm like, um, okay, sure. And so I just take a picture of him doing this, you know, like, dumbass pose or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay, so what was that all about? And he's like, oh, it's Be Real. I'm like, what in the hell is Be Real? And it's an app where it's like all of your friends will get a notification, and you have to take a picture of yourself within five minutes, or, I don't know, you get Hit Squad comes after you or something. But the idea is it's called be real because you only have five minutes. You don't have time to do your hair mm -hmm. or, you yeah. know, like, you know, get to a you know luxurious Ooh, place or whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, this is how I look right at this moment. And I think it's it's kind of a neat idea because it's contrary to the whole like Facebook curated life thing yeah. where you're presenting your best hits. It's like, you know, you're showing everyone this is what I'm doing right now. I'm hanging out at the state fair, you know, I'm I'm on the couch, you know, I'm driving to work. I guess maybe you shouldn't use it while driving to work, but you know what I mean. Well, why yeah. would people even care to see those pictures? Who cares? I think it's a more know. accurate glimpse into people's world because yeah. it was so funny. When I was in nursing school, you could tell when everyone's be real went off and uh, yeah. they would know how excited I was to be in their be real because I didn't have it. And I was like, oh, I love being real. That's <laughs> why I like to do always like a double chin, like act like I'm doing homework. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it it's a less curated uh, thing. And then they love checking on whatever what everyone's doing and where they're at. And, like, a lot of it, it's, like, them sitting on their bed with a big blanket. Like, that's yeah, 90%. Just, just lounging, yep. But who cares? Why would you even care about that? I don't know. It's like, do. Well, because it's a world. Today's world is all, what can I, you know, make it look like very I'm fake. doing, yep. right? Like I got to, oh, I'm on, you know, this might be the one vacation that I go on all year, but I'm going to take a thousand pictures and make it look like I'm traveling every day mm -hmm. of the week. And so this is like kind of the antithesis to that where, you know, yeah, realistically, I'm never wearing makeup. I'm always wearing sweatpants and I look halfway decent. Exactly. Not perfectly picturesque. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's a counterculture kind of thing. Yeah to the, you know, increasingly fake life we put out on the internet. Yeah, yeah. It, it you know, it makes sense. It never fit in. I never fit into to social media at all. I haven't been on social media now, I think, in 12 years. I never fit in. I couldn't give a rat's ass about any of that stuff. Well, no, me either. I never did any of that. Um, well, like, I was on Facebook for maybe a year or two back when it was really, mm -hmm. really new. Yeah. Like, right after, or even, I think, a little before it opened up, um... Because originally it was for college students only. Yeah. yeah and I was, right. I was in there. I was on the ground floor for that. But I never used it because I was like, why would I care about this? And then it's like the family got on it and we started uploading family pictures. But then eventually I was just like, I don't, I don't really care. No one cares about my life. And to be honest, I don't really care about their lives either. Right. So right. whatever. But I don't know. Yeah. I think it's – I think Facebook – is a tool our instagram is a tool of um uh but you can't use it as real or interchangeable as communication i don't even take what people write all that seriously because like mm -hmm. the other day i posted 
a picture of Gogo freaking out on Santa's lap. And somebody wrote something like, what a great mom, or, you know, like, joke. I and, know. But the funny thing is, is I was in a bad mood when I read the comments, and mm -hmm. I read it like, oh, she's judging me. Mm -hmm. And then I took two seconds, I go, oh, no, she's totally joking and being funny. And, like, if I just look at it, like, I don't take, in, when I'm everything's fine, I don't take any comment seriously. People can write me whatever, and I will, like, heart it, live my life. And when I took, when I, like, it was just a really quick glimpse into how, if you're not in a good mindset, how you can take something so simple and just be angry about it. And like, I don't, I don't want to engage in that. I will post pictures and I will look at pictures, but like, I do not want to use it as a form of pure communication. Oh God, no. Do they still do that threatening people that they know will never be able to get at them? Do they still yes. do that on social media? Yes, I do. think it's calmed down mm -hmm. quite a bit. But again, my world is pretty small. I'm not on a lot of anonymous oh, things. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't give a lot. Like uh, I posted um, today on my Twitter that my top two artists were super simple songs and Taylor Swift. And it super was like the simple, most glimpse yeah. <laughs> yeah, into my world. Is like kids' music and Taylor Swift, so it's not like mine's all not, not that controversial. No one's gonna be yeah. like, "Oh yeah, well, you think you think super simple songs are good?" Like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, and now today, because of you know kids getting bullied online, and then you know suicides right. going up in schools, Facebook yep. and you know a lot of other social media platforms have really cracked down on mm -hmm. what you can and cannot say. So if I were to type in like, "Hey, I'm gonna come to your house and beat you up," that'll get taken down automatically by facebook before yeah, really anybody good. has a chance to see it oh, that's that's a very uh important lesson that we are going to have to be teaching our kids and honestly kids should have been taught probably since early mid 2000s mm. is um try not to spend too much time on like putting yourself in the public eye online because you're just yeah. going to attract a lot of very negative attention like I, yeah. Brittany and I probably, when did you first get the internet, Brittany? Oh God. Well, after you, because I didn't have it in my childhood house. We had, I think maybe we had it a little bit. Yeah. Cause we had Napster. I remember having Napster mm -hmm. and, um, and a little bit of AOL instant messenger, maybe my junior Amy, and yeah. senior year. And so I was probably 2002. Oh, so still pretty early, still pre iPhone. Yeah. Pre oh, sure. yeah, pre eternal September internet arguably. But so when we had the internet especially before the iPhone, it was so wild west that no one really knew like okay, my kids going on the internet, I don't even really know what that means, so how do yeah. I how do I tell him what the dangers are of this thing? when I don't know what the hell it is. It's like, you know, right. what do you use it to download video games and like, you know, pictures of, you know, Captain Janeway and Picard, because that's what's like cool right now. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I think everyone understands it well enough that if you don't have this talk with your kid, then you are actively doing them a disservice. You have well, to tell them yeah. what to expect and why you shouldn't take it seriously. Yeah, and and you're really on to something because there's a lot of lessons being learned. Um, one of my friends, her kiddo, they took up, you know, an innocent photo of somebody who didn't know there was a photo being taken and they posted it um, on something, you know, whatever. And they had to sit down and have a talk of like, you can't post pictures of people who don't know you're taking the mm -hmm. photo. And I was like, what a great time to learn that lesson. Yeah. Like, 
they were, it was preteen, whatever. And I was like, that's a conversation you have to have. Like, there's so many conversations you have to have. Like, don't post pictures of people that they don't know or mm-hmm. that don't know they're taking the photo. Don't this and that, every whatever. It's just, there's just a lot more lessons out there to learn about. Yeah, the only one I remember as a kid when I was on, I used to be on AIM all the time, hours totally. and hours and hours a day. No, what is AIM? Uh, AOL Instant Messenger. It's, um, oh, it's just okay. like a chat room, but they had, well, they had chat rooms where you could go and everyone was in the room and you would just like, you know, talk and hang out, just mm-hmm. talk to these strangers. And the only time I remember getting an internet lesson was I was talking to these people on AIM and one of them was flirting with me and dad was like, are you sure that's not an adult? And I'm like, I never really thought about it because I was like 12 years old. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, another 12, a 12 year old girls into me. I'm a 12 year old boy. It's perfect. But for all I knew, yeah. that could have been a 50 year old man. Yeah. Yep. But I just had never thought about it before. And at, after, after that point, I started getting weirded out and kind of like distanced myself from AIM because I was like, yeah. that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Everybody, I feel like, has that kind of realization. When I remember mm-hmm. there was, I think it was Mini Clip was like a Miniclip. big, huge yeah. gaming thing. Mm-hmm. And I played an online pool. Yep. Like I was addicted to it. All this, these crappy flash yeah. games. But they were so, they were free for one. And I got into this super in-depth conversation where I thought was like probably somebody my age mm-hmm. and we were talking about sports. He's like, oh, you play football? And I was like, oh yeah, wide receiver, blah, blah. We're going back and forth. And then he like just mentioned, oh, like I, he was o- much older than I was at the time. And then it clicked like, and he was, he Uh-oh. even mentioned like, hey, like, I just want to make sure you know that I'm, you know, a, an adult, oh, well, not a, and I was like, oh, that's good. That actually is something I should probably be yeah. thinking of that. Not everybody is just some 10 year old playing pool out here. Like some of these people are adults. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with like an adult and a child having a conversation about football, Yeah, but it's like, yeah, I always expect, I was expecting you to go into like, oh, you play uh, football. Do you uh, ever take your shirt off oh, while you're no, playing football? <laughs> right. like that, but it was yeah. like a stranger ended up teaching me like, hey, maybe you yeah. should be a little bit cautious about what you're willing Absolutely. to tell people. That happened to me so much on Xbox live. Because I mm-hmm. ha- kind of have a voice of a boy about to go through puberty. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I'd be like, just a heads up. I'm a 28-year-old like, <laughs> adult. And they're like, what? And they'll sign off. And I'm like, okay, that was the right call. Like, I don't want, like, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just zombie killing and no talking, like, mm-hmm. whatever. But there's those moments you're like, I don't, I don't know how to say this in a less weird way. I'm a full-grown adult. Yeah. You're not talking to a child right now. I'm sorry. So I have a question for you guys, because there is so much hatred. I mean, before the show started this morning, Andy, we were going through the stories. There's nothing but anger and meanness and hatred. That's what we got to go through right now. So do you talk to young people? No, your kids are so young. You know, both Ethan and Gogo are so young that probably not yet, but you're going to have to have long talks with them. These people are mean and hateful and if they're being way over the top nice to you, that's a little, that's a danger sign. No doubt about it. Um, I don't know. The niceness thing. I mean, I guess it depends. Like if you're a child and they know you're a child and they're being weirdly nice to you, that's definitely a red flag. Yeah. Because that's like, it's grooming behavior, arguably. Mm-hmm. Like if they're too nice to you. But I mean, like, how do you tell a child, like, you know. This is the line between too nice and regular nice. Right. I don't think they really understand that subtlety. But they'd have to be careful still, I would imagine. I don't know. I I have not been on the, like I said, I haven't been on 
any of that crap in 12 years. So I don't even know what it's like anymore. I remember what it was like in the beginning and everybody was a tough guy. And that was the number one thing I hated about it is I would get on there and it's like, Oh, do this. And I said, bullshit. Nine seventeen North Lilac drive. Come on over. And nobody ever showed up. Everybody's a tough guy. Are they still like that on there? Yeah, for the most part, I think everybody is a tough guy to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. when it comes to, you know, kids being on there, I think that when you get somebody that's trying to scam you or take advantage of you, oftentimes it's very easy to do a little bit of research into what you can find publicly on that person and mm-hmm. determine if that is a situation that you should be fearful of. Like if it's a profile picture where they don't have their own face on it or if they only have a few grainy photos in their feed of things. Like most people, if it is, you know, an adult that's talking to a kid or whatever, they're going to have pictures of their family and you're going to be able to tell that it's a real person and not just a profile that was put together in two minutes. Yeah. I think you got the, the sneaky one are the games. I think that's Mm -hmm. where you can get people sneaking in because like, Oh, Ethan's not going to be on chat like uh, uh you know chat rooms and Ethan's not I mean, there's a lot of things we already know right because Andy mm-hmm. was talking about the wild wild west of the internet parents had no idea what we were doing no mm-hmm. um and then there is like now where you go okay these are obviously we're going to say kid focused stuff but that's where a bunch of predators know where to go Roblox yep. um discord you know, is a big mm-hmm. one yes and um God, even the Oculus, you have to watch out just because it's kind of sneaky. You don't even know which where that you can't watch them play it. You oh, know, VR chat kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. The, um, there's a bunch of video games where you talk to people while you're playing it. Yep. And so I think it's just like those kind of sneaky things you have to be careful for. Is like the kids wearing the headphones on the iPad is is probably something you just gotta keep insight on yeah and like if somebody is, keeps insisting on wanting to meet up or have you send yeah. pictures like that's oh, not a normal God. that's never, not a normal thing never meet up never send pictures yeah. that is another thing that our my parents told us like before we even logged on for the first time it's like never tell anyone your address never right. tell anyone your real name that sort of right. thing a prince isn't trying to send you a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> that's <laughs> that's so it, it sounds like it's gotten both more dangerous, but the handling of that danger has gotten better. I think it's I less so. dangerous than it was. People I don't know, Andy. I feel like it's kind of like those people are still out there. They're going to find different ways. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's harder because everything is so sanitized, moderated, corporatized. There's no, like, kids aren't hanging out in these, like, unrestricted peer-to-peer connected chat rooms where yeah. absolutely no one knows what's being said except for these two people. You know, everything is going through some data server that's being monitored by 10,000 AI bots. Yeah, I'd say the only thing that it would make me a little nervous is the things that people make connections on, like let's say Fortnite, mm-hmm. is a slow building relationship yeah. that somebody could sign on every week and play with this kid and yeah. Make that, you know, like an AOL Instant Messenger, we would be like, me and my friends would be like, talk to a random person, block them, and and, and never oh, think yeah. of them again. But some of these games they play with these kids, they'll play for weeks. They'll play for weeks having, mm-hmm. and, and they kind of feel like they're a friend. They'll play, um, um, you know, I keep using Fortnite as an example. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course I'll tell this friend I've been playing with for a month. It, it feels real. Um, my name or what city I live in. And so that's the sneaky thing you hear about 
um, nowadays. Okay, so five years from now, Andy, uh, well, not even five years, let's say three years from now, your son is five and Brittany's daughter is four and a half. What will you tell them three years from now? I'm going to tell them the internet doesn't exist. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's not today. real. Well, he's not going to be able to read yet, so it's like the internet's not exactly a huge danger for him. Yeah. You don't think at five he's be able to read? Not enough for it to matter, I don't think. Like he can, you know, read, you know, cow says moo kind of stuff, but. Yeah, I suppose. So at what age is the danger then? Is it seven, eight, nine years old? Yeah, probably that's when it starts. That's where I'd it say. Is. They're, they're, they know enough to like, you know, if they wanted to seek certain topics out, like they could go mm -hmm. to Google and like just start randomly clicking around, typing in relevant keywords and stuff yeah. like that. A kid, a five-year-old is not going to be able to do that. And two, I think mm -hmm. you have to kind of add the combination of they're old enough to where they can potentially get themselves into a situation, but then also like if they're, you know, 14 years old, they're not scared to, you know, walk maybe to a different part of town mm -hmm. after school yeah. or, you know, oh. type of thing. So they have to have that mobility aspect of it as yeah, well. Yeah, that too. Well, yeah, a five-year-old's not going to, you know, go meet some stranger on the internet. They, have, they don't have the ability to, right. even if they I wanted to. I just hope, and this is how I was with my nanny kids and, and the girls next door, is like I hope I am somebody who they always look at as a person who will help their situation and mm -hmm. whatever that is. If they find themselves in this predicament or they're talking to somebody and they feel scared, is like that's the way I, I hope I can raise Go-Go is that like going to mom, mom helps things, doesn't, you know, go, what? You were doing it. Cause like, right, right. we all made mistakes growing up. And I think it's funny how there's a lot of parents out there who pretend like they didn't have a teenage. I mean, I did things on the internet where I'm like mortified about and you go, oh yeah, we all did. We all did, you know, like, and so it's, I just want to always try to keep that dialogue up because it's going to be all dangers are everywhere. Somebody's going to say something to them. I just want to be somebody where they can go, can you believe this guy said this to me? And be like, okay, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. How did we get there? And mm -hmm. let's, let's figure this out together. Like that's all I can keep doing or try to do. So people are smart enough. Now the average person is smart enough to go, let's just avoid all of that stuff. The minute it pops up, can you tell? I don't think you can avoid it. I think you can't. Like, okay. I think that there's always going to be, um, you know, like you just, I just want Margot to be able to come to me because sleepovers are riddled in who's at that house. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, going on a, a field trip, there's things in that. Like, I just want my kid to be able to come to me. And that's all I can do. I can, you know, I can obviously put the obvious restraints and child protection. But like we had child protection on our TV and all we had to do was unplug the back and plug it back in. And all that was gone for like an hour. Mm hmm. So it's like, there's just like anybody, there's terrorism and counterterrorism, and it will, they all work together in a weird way that like you just have, in my mind is keeping that open dialogue is just so important. And monitor what your kid is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, God, yes. and, yep. yeah, and do what you can. Like, it's like locking the door of your house, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the obvious first thing you can do is lock the door, but also being ready if that thing, other things happen. Yeah. Okay, there's a person right now saying they're Kristen Burt and they're trying to make a connection with her. Should I trust her? I mm. I wouldn't. Mm. Probably report, not. Report and block. Okay, report and, report and block. <laughs> KB3, there you go. We shall be right back, Kristen Burt. will join us at that time.
This is the Tom Bernard Show. Listen live on the Tom Bernard Show app or at TomBernardShow.com. Jim Paul of Valley Buick GMC has a mutiny on his hands. His sales crew said they've had it brooming snow off the new Buicks and GMCs, then warm them up, move them to plow, and repark them again. He even overheard them cooking up an alternative plan, a sale. This is crazy. Why don't we just mark them down and sell them? This is getting real old to be out on that lot in this sub-zero weather. That's right. Everyone we sell is one less to broom. I heard we're supposed to get six more inches tomorrow. I'm 5'6". How am I supposed to get the snow off the roof of a pickup? I'm Jim Paul, and, well, car dealers do have all kinds of crazy sales. This idea probably makes more sense than most. There's plenty of inventory, so, okay, the crew has decided. Yeah! yeah now we're talking yeah. So, then it's official. The We Don't Want to Broom Snow sale is in full force at Valley Buick GMC in Apple Valley and Hastings. Snowy inventory priced real right at valleycardealers.com. Before you head back to one of the big box stores for your hunting and shooting needs this season, do yourself a favor and visit my choice, K&L Surplus and Ammo in Lino Lakes. Not only does K&L have one of the widest selections of firearms and ammo in the Twin Cities, they also do business the right way. They want to make sure that you have the right firearm and the right ammo for your needs. Jim, the owner, has over 25 years of experience in the business and will help you find what you need at a fair price. Speaking of prices, a lot of stores are using inflation and supply shortages as an excuse to raise prices on ammunition. Not K&L. Jim's doing everything to hold the line on pricing so you can spend more time on the range. Find out for yourself why K&L Surplus and Ammo has been the choice of gun owners for over 25 years. Go in and chat with Jim in person at the store on Lake Drive and Lina Lakes or online at klgunstore.com, klgunstore.com. You know the song Kokomo? It's supposed to be off the Florida Keys, right? Hate to break your Beach Boys bubble, but that's a fictitious place they made up for the song. Fortunately for the rest of us, the Florida Keys island chain are as real as the taxes you have to pay in Minnesota if you're a resident. Now that's a reason to move south. In addition to Florida and all of Monroe County being beautiful, the Keys from Key Largo to Key West are even more beautiful. This is Tom Bernard, part-time Florida resident myself. And if you want a second house or a new retirement home or want to become a Floridian, may I suggest you contact Matt Carlson from One Key West Realty. Matt grew up in Litchfield. He's a super real estate agent when it comes to finding your tropical island space in the Keys. He lives there and here, and Matt knows what's best in Key West to buy. For your second home in Florida, Matt teamed up with fellow Minnesotan from Sartell and Alexandria, Kristen Eklund, who's one of the top mortgage brokers in the country from Coast to Coast Mortgage. She'll get you the financing you need to buy a home in Florida or in Minnesota. Matt's part of the Lake Sotheby's International Realty Group here in Minnesota, and Kristen, his mortgage colleague, lives and works in the Keys, so they both know the Florida Keys' new and existing homes for sale and are Minnesotan through and through. Contact them by heading to OneKeyWest.com. That's OneKeyWest.com. The Tom Bernard Show is proud to have partners like North American Banking Company, Bradshaw and Bryant, and attorney and advertiser Dave Bielke. I've been advertising on Tom Bernard shows for years. I like Tom, not just because he's a good guy, but because the ads I run on his show bring me new clients that are hurt at work and need legal help. Tommy B works for me. If you'd like to find out more about growing your business with The Tom Bernard Show, go to TomBernardShow.com, keyword partner.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Kristen Burton now joins us. So we, uh, I just want to tie you in very, very quickly, and then we can move on from there. But we were just talking about social media and people reaching out and doing these things. And I haven't been on social media in 12 years, so I don't know anything about that. To be someone sitting out in Hollywood, being connected to all these different markets, all that stuff, do you have to go through a lot of that stuff on social media? Yes. Anyone who has ever sent me a private message on Facebook knows that they get an auto response back. I don't utilize um, Facebook messaging whatsoever because Mm -hmm. people like to send me dick pics. And there is nothing I want less than a dick pic. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't send me them. Please don't. Do you ever get any female anatomy pics? I never do. Never. Never have. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think women do that. I just don't think women think are like, oh, let me send you a photo of my boob no. or my vagina. It just doesn't work that way. No. And it's one of those things. It's like, you know, and you have to just sit there and re- report and it's a whole process and it's, you know, and then Facebook doesn't really care in the end, no. at the end of the day. Wouldn't that be illegal to send somebody a picture of your Johnson? Technically, in be. some places, I believe it is. Yeah, it's got to be, I would think. You can't just do that to people you don't even know, right? And it happens a lot. That's why I literally That's have really an cool. auto-response. I just don't even look in there. I'm like, if you need to reach me, this is the email. Otherwise, I'm not responding to this. And they'll That's never, cool. ever send the photos to my email because I think that leaves an electronic trace. Oh. Like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but- IP address or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like it's that big of a difference. Like, it's still, but it's funny that the formality of the email is the gatekeeper to seeing Rando's dicks. And I'm, I'm wondering, though, it's also probably because Facebook does very little. They do very little to protect the person on the really? receiving end. And the perpetrator knows that. They know mm. that, okay, maybe they'll get blocked and they'll just find another woman to do it to. But I think that they know there's very little punish for, punishment for them on Facebook. Why would Facebook even do something like that? That makes no sense. Well, I report the message to Facebook and and then they have access to it and what was sent. Mm -hmm. I just, their accounts still go on. I think they're just like freedom of speech. (laughs) Like, okay, that's not the speech I'm looking for. Not freedom of speech. Telling someone you're Johnson is not freedom of speech. Sorry. Just not. And it's so common. Like, that's why I literally have that auto response. I mean, if I checked every single week, I'm sure there's at least one man oh, per week who does it. Yeah. yeah. One a week? That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's often. That is a bizarre situation, no question. Now, I don't know anything about this whole deal. Uh, it came up last week. Um, did some guy, he was, a, he was an aide to a congressperson or a senator or something, had gay sex in the in the congressional whatever. Yeah, he was and taking pictures. pictures. Yeah, I was taking pic- What 
why is that okay? I don't think it is okay. <laughs> well, no. I, <laughs> very few I mean, people. having sex at your place of work and documenting it, probably not a great no, idea. No, and very few people are no saying where this you is are. okay. <laughs> but I am saying there are some people that said, why don't you just leave them alone? What are you, homophobic? It's like, how did I become homophobic? Because I don't think the guy should have done this. Well, there's a lot of I very dumb people opinion. out there. What's that? I said there's a lot of very dumb people out there who will behave. Just... They'll defend any behavior coming from their side, no matter how reprehensible. I had Unless you're George Santos, who's ready to like spill all the tea, and I'm like, just yeah. do it, spill it, tell us what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, no, there were. The, I had I had a friend send me this one situation where where I don't know if it was the press or who it was. I didn't get. I don't get too far into this stuff, but um, sent me a statement that they made. Oh, so now you have problems with people showing love for one another? Yeah, just say I'm yes. Pretty sure. Yes, I do. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I am pretty sure that if I ever ask Catherine to have sex in a in a public place and post it online, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Don't do it at work. I don't know what to tell you. Just don't do it at work. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I didn't even see the thing, and I, I just don't know why you'd want to do that, and I don't know why you'd want to defend it if somebody did do that. Why are you defending this? It was a huge mistake. Don't do that. And I don't care if you work, you know, in the federal government or a Dairy Queen. Don't take pictures of yourself stooping somebody at work. How about that? That'd be good. Or the holiday party or whatever it is. Yeah, don't or wherever. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a story. So what's new in your world, sister? Um, well, it, the news broke on Friday. I don't know if you guys have discussed it, but we did get Matthew Perry's autopsy report, which I yeah. think kind of had some answers that I think a lot of us were unfortunately expecting. Um but really tragic. And I think a lot of people got confused over the whole ketamine situation because mm -hmm. he was receiving ketamine infusions from his doctor yes. to deal with his depression. Mm -hmm. That is not what killed him. He had a high dose of ketamine that he obviously or likely self in, uh, self induced. Is that, I guess the right self -administered. word administered self ingested. Um, and it's one of those situations where mixed in with a hot tub, and the fact that it yep. was high levels that a doctor would never, ever give someone. They are calling it an accidental death because he probably gave himself too much, stepped mm -hmm. into the hot tub, and that contributed to a whole host of um, respiratory and cardiovascular issues as well. So, well, ketamine really treatment for mental illness is a newish thing, and it's in very, very low doses. Very um, low doses. And it only low. lasts like three hours max in right. your system. Yeah, but so. ketamine as a recreational drug has been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So Some people will know it as Special K. Yep, Special K, right. yeah, the right. K-hole, that sort of thing. And, mm -hmm. But yeah, if the dose was high, then a doctor did not give it to him. That or there was a grievous medical error. He had not been to the doctor that day. They have cleared oh, that. Well, so. there you go. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doctor well, didn't do this. He actually passed out and drowned, didn't he? That was like the secondary cause of his death. Secondary, yeah. okay. Yeah. So would he have died anyway if he, if he hadn't drowned? He would have died from it anyway? They, um, You know, I've, I've listened to some specialists and doctors, and they said likely because mm -hmm. the dosage was so high oh. at that point, and he had a weakened cardiovascular and respiratory mm -hmm. system because of years of drug abuse and alcohol abuse. I'm so glad that I seriously, I feel so bad for people because some people go through that and other people just never happens to them. Um, I don't know what it, it, 
obviously something happened in his life because he was seeking psychological help. No question about it. He needed some counseling. Um, seemed like a nice enough guy uh, back in the day and all the rest of it. But it's just, it's such a sad situation that you cannot stand. And then look, a lot of us take, you know, things that kind of even out the, that's why one reason the THC store has become so popular, because if you do pop five milligrams of THC, you are going to feel better. If you pop 50, you're going to start seeing things. I mean, you got to know what you're doing, right? Yeah. I mean, but we have to, addiction is an illness and we yes. have to yep. yeah, really understand that. And, you know, depression is tied to, to that for many people. And I think, you know, I think he was telling his friends that he was sober and I don't think that was necessarily mm -hmm. the case and had gotten good at being able to fool people. And I think it's just sad. It's just sad that he's gone. Because he, no he was such a proponent for people getting sober and helping others stay sober and sharing his journey, which I am sure has helped a lot of other people with his honesty. Was anyone surprised, though, they did find him dead in a hot tub? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of his close friends really did believe that he was sober. And so I think oh, for did. them, okay. they're going to have to grapple with that. And other friends were like, I just didn't believe it. I didn't feel that it was always the truth. Some, you know, you're going to have two sides to the story. And mm -hmm. I think it's just depending on who he was telling stories to and who he yeah. wasn't. Is it, I mean, seriously, the, some people have that much pain with their feelings that they have to deaden their feelings. I mean, that's what alcoholism is all about, right? They, they try to deaden their feelings with alcohol because their, their bad feelings are so severe. Is that still correct? With, I mean, it seems to me that's probably the, the problem here. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing is, origins of alcoholism are all over the place. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been to enough meetings to know that. And um, you know, it's really interesting. So everybody has a different line of what is sobriety. And yeah. I could see the rationale in his head of believing he's sober because he's doing a procedure, you know, right. that he's been told to do. And it's a slip, you know, it's a, a, a blurred line of what is okay. He's probably done that a million times that dose, to be honest, like to him, that's not a big deal. And I have friends that are on ketamine therapy as well. Um, oh, you do okay. microdosing for depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's pretty casual about the one, you know, and I think sometimes that stuff, and then you'll run into people like I have, um, you know, I've used marijuana casually since being sober, but they would say, no, you have to start your sobriety date over. And there's, it's just, nothing is this clear cut in any world. It's just like, there's all sorts of different, uh, groups in anything. Mm. There's also different groups in sobriety and AA and, and addiction. So, um, it sucks. I don't, and it, it I hate when people steer away from it when they're like, we don't want to talk about, you know, don't don't bring up his addiction. It's like addiction is a huge part of my life. And it was always a big one of Matthew Perry's. Yeah. And it's, it's OK. It's not a demon in some ways. It's like that's just part of the puzzle that is this person. And I don't know. I just I think uh, I I think it's a good conversation to bring up and have. Yeah, I think I would. I agree with that 100%. I think people should talk more openly about all these things. Yeah. I got very lucky because I didn't, you know, I stopped drinking when I was 21 and I started again when I was like 31. I went through, you know, about 20 years of, but all of a sudden Catherine came to me one day and said, you should stop drinking. And I went, okay. Once saw a little, you know, side deal for some counseling and stuff, never went into treatment or anything like that. 
uh, had some counseling on it. I, I did. I just get lucky. The fact that I could just give up alcohol and it didn't affect me that much. Well, like it's funny because sometimes when you say that, I go, well, in some ways you went through a program because uh, you hit your version of your rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And I don't I'm mean this sure. in like a bad way, but Tom, you, you know, you've talked many times about the dinner that you got, you and Catherine had prior mm-hmm. to you getting sober and you, you, you didn't do it. Some things that nobody would think twice about, but in your mind and in Catherine's mind, it's like, no, that's not acceptable. And you hit a point where you go, okay, I don't want to be that person. And it's mm-hmm. not like you did anything horrendous. I'm not trying to like, no. I just don't want to speak your truth. And I know you've said it on air many times, but like, um, that was your version of rock bottom. Like you're yeah. losing yeah. Catherine, even that it wasn't even, even said, but that hinted at anything like that. Are your no wife question. being mad? Yeah. No doubt about that. So some people just get lucky, I guess. And other people uh, like Matthew Perry was never going to beat it. He tried and tried and tried and tried and he just, he couldn't, and I'm not saying he was weak or anything. No, he just had different life experiences, different feelings, different thoughts. I guess, yeah, because giving up alcohol, Andy, you were there. the The day I I said I would give up some alcohol, all the alcohol was on a Friday, and we took everybody to Ocean Air for dinner on Saturday night, and I ordered a bunch of wine. And Mom said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" I said, "I don't care if you drink wine; it's not, not a problem at all." I never had a problem with that. Other people could be drinking around me. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah I think everyone's experience is different. I it think is there's different, also, yeah. you know, I see a lot of dry drunks, and that's a term that sure. like, people don't deal with whatever, and they're still fighting their battles. I've been to more meetings than I would ever have fingers for, and I <laughs> loved it. When I needed it, I loved it, and I still will go to meetings here and there, and I love it. There's nothing. And then on top of it, there are these people – like I would say Matthew Perry, I don't obviously don't know him, but he would fall in this realm of for some reason they never want to follow the rules to the T. Yeah, and I oh, know yeah. Yep. it's giving up that control. There always is a part of them that wants to hold on to that control. And like I was really lucky when I got sober because I was like, oh my God, somebody take control and make the rules for me. I don't even mm-hmm. care what the rules are. If I have to wear green on Wednesdays, fine. Like I was willing to give up that control and like take control back as I had gotten healthier. But some people have a really hard time with people saying, this is the way you have to live. And they go, Oh, well, I'm not doing that. And like, I, I just have yeah. this weird feeling that Matthew Perry was always going to be somebody who kind of whatever little act of rebellion they can would be doing that. And again, yeah. this is totally an assumption. If anyone hasn't read his book, it's it's really good and gives you a lot of insight into um, – I mean, he was really open in that book. It was um, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. Um, he just really gives you a lot of insight into what he was going through. Never had any self-esteem. So it's just one of those situations. Never mm-hmm. felt he was good enough. He was on top of the world making a million dollars an episode. Dated Julia Roberts. Still never felt like – he always felt less than. And that was brought on by what? Did, did they ever? Did he ever reveal what brought that on? I mean, I think he talked a lot about his childhood and and dealing with a complicated relationship with his father. Um, and Keith Morrison of Dateline really became mm-hmm. a strong father figure in his life because he oh, married his mother. Yeah, really. Okay. And it's, but it's really, it's just really open and honest and refreshing in a way that you don't normally see in celebrity memoirs. And 
Um, you see that he's a, he was really complicated and he was really torn with a, a lot of the things he's done and the situations he's been in. Um, and I think he felt the need to apologize all the time because he had a very privileged life always, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. grew up in a, in a relatively like upper middle class family and never lacked for anything. But at the same time, he, I think he always felt like he was apologizing for who he was. Um, and it, it, it leaves you, it's just really sad, but I think mm -hmm. for anyone who is struggling or anyone who knows someone who's struggling, I think it gives you a lot of insight. So one, one thing I would warn people on, and this is for, because I've asked a lot of other people, not just my personal experience, but one of the things you're going to go through if you used to drink with your friends a lot and all the rest of it, about 90% of them are going to never talk to you again. Because they might have to admit that they have a drinking problem, mm -hmm. which I never said. I went, hey, you got a drinking problem. You should quit. 90%, I, 95% of those guys I've never talked to again. Once I went through that, they just, they want to go out and have a good time. They don't want to think about it. So I noticed that too, Tom. Like I was really young. I mm -hmm. gave up alcohol, uh, I think 13 years ago. And so I was 25. So that was uh, like. Yeah not exactly the time where everybody is, you know, getting into yoga and, and not drinking. But right. what I noticed is the all a lot of the friends that did have that like I don't want to hang out with somebody sober were yes. usually the ones that have slowly trickled back into my life with like a hey, I have a question kind of message cuz they're dealing with, you know, their well, sobriety yeah. now and yeah. they're like know that I they're like so are there like a significant other in their life like hey, bye. I'm like what do you got? What do you got? Like, where do you, I can tell you where to go and what to do. Uh, but like, yeah, I think as I get older, I find that those people have kind of changed a little bit, but then also like I've attracted people that I normally wouldn't have attracted in a good way too. So I've acquired such a fun network. See, that's good. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not one of those guys that, oh, you know, you drink too much. I didn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. They just did not want to be around a person who doesn't drink. Oh, yeah. I don't, don't care. I love when people are drunk. Like, yeah, I love I it care. because I can dance. <laughs> and a lot of times I get like, you know, when we would go on trips for the radio station, Tom, people would be like, Brittany, you were wasted last night. I'd be like, sure. Like, yep, sure, I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I did karaoke. Like, like maybe high I on like, life. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I love that they assume I am can only go do something fun if I'm drunk. Like, fine. That's fine. Yeah, the only thing I would say to people if they ask me is to just be true to yourself. Do what's in your head. Yeah. And go for it. Don't let anybody influence you, me or anyone else influence you and how you handle it. You can handle it. Just go do it. Yeah. Well, the this people, sober you think movement's I, really big too right now, especially among Gen Zers. So much so that I heard the wine industry is starting to panic a little bit because oh, overall really? wine consumption is down post pandemic. And a lot of people are choosing to either drink less or not drink at all, and mm. maybe not even necessarily for addiction issues. They're just like, you know what? It just doesn't make me feel good. No. Well, the pandemic yeah. ruined it, I feel like, for a lot of people because that was all people had to do. Oh, virtual happy hour? Sure, virtual happy yeah. Now being hung over alone oh, in your right. house the next right. day or, isn't as fun. Or like how more apparent it was mm -hmm. when you guys are all forced to be in the house together and you're like, yeah, your whatever you're doing isn't working for the family. Yeah. Like I, I noticed a lot of couples that were like, "Yeah, like Brittany, I can't live with Brittany. She wakes up hungover. You know what I mean? Like it just mm -hmm. all, all of our problems just got 
blown up so much. It was like all we had to deal with it. So that I think was a big part too. And Andy will tell you this. I still host wine parties for all my neighbors. Doesn't bother me a bit. I bring Mm -hmm. out the wine. I serve it to them. They have a great time. I don't care what somebody else is doing with wine. It's what I did with wine, right? Yeah. Didn't work out. Catherine didn't like it. I adore the woman. So goodbye. That was the end of old granddad. (laughs) I was never a whiskey drinker. It was a wine and beer. That was my deal. I tried drinking whiskey. It did not fit with me at all because it really pissed me off to drink liquor. Isn't that weird? No. I would drink like scotch and go, you son of a bitch. A lot of people are like that. Yeah. I suppose. But yeah, hopefully this helps some people. It is not impossible. You can do it if you want to do it. And if you, you know, you think you have a problem, take care of it. And if you don't, good for you. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that drink and they don't act like assholes ever. They're very, very even keel about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right, Kristen, what else has happened in Hollywood other than booze hounds? Booze hounds. No, um, we've got uh, the other big controversy going on is Mayim Bialik was fired as the host of Jeopardy. And I saw the show that. is like... Yeah, and this is interesting. The show's line was like, hey, we wanted just consistency, one host. It's going to be Ken Jennings. But a lot of people think that this is retribution for her showing her alliance with the Writers Guild and not crossing the picket line. And they think that that was the reason why she was let go, because they did not bring her back once the writer's strike was settled. And she was like, guys, what's going on? And sure enough, they're like, we're just going to go with one host, and that's Ken Jennings. I had heard from some insiders, and you're closer to insiders than I am, but I know a lot of people in the business, that they didn't like the fact that she showed showed 100% support for the Jews, correct? She has also, yeah, she's she's been doing this um, video series. I don't know if you saw it yeah. on TikTok, Brittany. Like, um, how to know if you're an anti-Semite, that, that type of mm, topic. Right. And right. that's also, you know, wading into, obviously, Middle East politics. There are probably some people that don't like that, too. So... That is also another possibility that could be swirling around with her job on Jeopardy. Well, and I feel like the Jeopardy host image is like you have to be the most inoffensive person possible to be the face of Jeopardy. Because it's like, you know, your job is to read questions and say yes or no, basically. They don't want you to be like this explosive personality. You know, Alex Trebek was like the definition of clean cut guy and that's what they want they don't want someone who's going to be you know calling people anti-semites and stuff like that i don't know if she was doing that she was just defending the jews she i don't think she yeah i mean she what you pointed out kristen how to know if you are anti-semitic because some people probably don't even know you know i I don't know what the situation i always liked her a lot she's very very smart woman she's very good actor I've always enjoyed her work, so I was kind of sad to see it. Ken Jennings, on the other hand, is boring as hell. Yeah, well, and a lot is. of people don't. A lot of people consider him a scab for crossing the picket line. There's right. that situation. A lot of people within Hollywood don't love him and don't love his mm-hmm. personality. Um, right. You know, and then Mind Bialik has had an anti-vax stance at some point in you know in her past too. Right. And, it it's very complicated. I'm sure she got vaxxed because if she wanted to work in the last you know, two or three years over the pandemic, you kind of had to be in Hollywood. But it's it's a very interesting situation where I really look at this and I go, nobody can replace Alex Trebek is really the situation. No, you're right about that. He was terrific. 
he was really, really good at that job. No, no question about it. Yeah, I just, I, I don't really understand. We talk about this a lot. Just because I don't agree with you, you don't agree with me, you're a bad guy, I'm a bad guy? No. I mean, I just don't understand that kind of thinking. We got in a discussion earlier this morning about that. People go, oh, this is not I'm So basically what I said was, we're going to all line up, everything will be good. They got pissed off at me about that. Um, why, why do you have to just, you know, fold everybody else's beliefs? Well, you're the one pushing me to join your party. So what are you doing any different than what they're doing? You don't talk to anybody unless they're one of your buddies in your, in your political party. And I think that's on both sides. How is what you're doing good for people? Unless you agree with me, I don't like you. What? That's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's tough. I think a lot of Hollywood actors are even scared to talk about Middle East oh, politics yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, just because mm -hmm. if you take one side or the other, yep. you are going to have a whole host of comments that you probably mm. don't want to see. Mm. And I it's not that people that. don't care, because I think a lot of people do care about what's happening to the innocent human beings in that situation. Mm -hmm. um, but nobody really wants to step into it. And then both sides are like, you don't care about the Palestinians or you don't care about the, yep. the Jewish community. I and just, it's leading to a lot right. of infighting. No doubt about it. Well, I mean, like Alex, she's here now and she, you know, hates everyone. That's me. But we don't ever bring that up. Yep. <laughs> it is what it is, you know. <laughs> it is what it is, you know. I don't know. I just like to see people calm down and get along a lot better than they are. Not everyone has to agree with everything <laughs> you think. And if you surround yourself with people who think exactly what you do, they're a bunch of ass-kissing morons. So find new friends. <laughs> Correct. That's it. Just go out and find a whole new circle. I mean, I just don't understand. They argue points. Well, not everybody should be all crowded together. Yeah, but you won't talk to anybody unless they're in your personal political circle. So what the hell is the difference between what you're doing and what they're doing? There is no difference, right? I only like people who agree with me politically. Well, you're an idiot if that's how you think. You, I you think people would be surprised that a lot of people in their political circle actually vote differently. And you see that in Hollywood a lot. And <laughs> they play a game because they have to. And yep. whatever side it is. And at the, you know, no, I'm not in the voting booth with anyone. No, it's true. It's I it like is. that. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that point up because I bet you a lot of people do things totally different than the things they talk about. Mm -hmm. See, now I couldn't do that. There's something in my brain that won't let me do that. If you don't like it, tough shit. Go get somebody else. Right. I, I would like to be able to hide things like that, like tell you I'm going to do one thing and I do another. I don't know what the hell's wrong with my brain. I can't do that. It's like, I'm going to do this, and if you don't like it, tough. Go away. Go find somebody else to talk to. Right? I have a really bad poker face, so like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can, yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. But in any case, what is any good thing happening in Hollywood right now? <laughs> Anything good. Well, you know, it, we're kind of like at the the end of the year and uh, a lot of, right. you know, all the lists of like the best of, the worst of, everything is kind of coming out. But I saw on, I think it was TV line, they had a great list of like TV shows that you missed and probably didn't watch this year that okay. you should go back and revisit. Um, and one of my favorites was actually on the list, which is Unprisoned. It was Carrie Washington and Delroy Lindo. It is like a 30 minute kind of like dark comedy just really? got picked up for a second season on Hulu. 
Um, highly recommend if you're looking for something to watch over the next couple of weeks. That is a really good one to watch. And it's like light and breezy and fun, great acting. And I just think people will really enjoy it. And it's called what? Unprisoned. Her father comes home from prison and has to live with her. And obviously that is an adjustment. So, um, and they have to navigate their complicated relationship, but it's done in a, in a lighthearted way. I think and Carrie Washington is always just one of my favorites. Well, she's terrific. But have you ever talked to Delroy Lindo? I have. One of the I've nicest people, of one of the nicest men I've ever talked to in my life. He's just a great guy. Yes. Yeah, super mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. Always a good interview. We'll give you good yep. sound bites, which is all you ever ask for. Yeah. And Christy, will... you went to the daytime Emmys, correct? How was that? We had uh, mm-hmm. one of our guests that were on the show, Justin Sutherland, a local chef. Uh, he won a daytime Emmy. So my timeline was oh, flooded with photos of you and him uh, celebrating and having a good time. Oh, how fun. That's exciting. Did he win on a Saturday or Sunday ceremony? Because Friday was mostly soaps. Uh, I believe it was Saturday. Is when Saturday, yeah. So there was a three-day event with the daytime Emmys. Some of them are considered creative arts. And then the, the daytime Emmys that I attended were the ones that were um, broadcast on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. It was interesting because uh, the show is smaller than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And it, it was interesting because... This was big, like Susan Lucci's big night of being honored for her Lifetime Achievement Award. And like I said to you guys, like she got her Emmy at the Radio City Music Hall. And here she was at this very small ceremony at, you know, the Weston Bonaventure in downtown L.A. And it just it felt smaller. And I feel like the daytime Emmys deserve something maybe a little bit bigger. If that makes sense. Yeah. It would make sense. You know, she used to be a neighbor when we'd vacationed in one one spot. She she lived in the house right down the block from where we vacationed, and she was a very pleasant person. Andy and Alex, you remember running into her, don't you? No. Maybe you never did. Too young, probably. But yeah, she was very very pleasant person. You know. Yeah, she's super sweet. Mm-hmm. Was willing to do interviews. Sometimes you, it's interesting because you just never know who's going to do interviews and who's not. That's become kind of a post-pandemic. Like I'm just doing photos and running off. But um, she was went down the line. With everyone, which was really sweet. It was a very hectic and crowded red carpet. I don't. We were like on top of each other. I'm like, this is really fun to interview like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know what they do when they're organizing these red carpets. I, you know, I need to take a picture of like, I need to step on the red carpet and show a picture of how smushed they make reporters and camera people because it is ridiculous to the point that I had, you know, people on both sides of us. So when the girl next to me needed to do her interview, I would lean into our camera so I wouldn't be in her shot because otherwise she'd have like my hair. And then, um, I'd have to lean away when the other person did their shot from the other side or step out completely and then step back in. It's uncomfortable. And I'm like, we can do better. We can do better. No, you would hope so. All right, young lady, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Yes, I will see you all tomorrow morning. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. We'll take a break. Come right back. Wrap things up right after this. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Listen live at TomBernardShow.com or on the Tom Bernard Show app.
Tom here, and I want to discuss a partnership that has been wonderful in my life, Zero Res Carpet Care. Very good friends of mine. Nothing is better to someone with a family than having a completely clean home. Your carpet is the biggest filter in your house. If you want to talk about pet dander or foot traffic, dirt from the outside, they all eventually reside in your carpet. So, Zero Res Carpet Care. Listen, around the holidays, you need to contact ZeroResMinnesota.com or call 952-Z-E-R-O-R-E-Z. That's 952-Zero-Res. They clean your home with their electrolyzed pH-elevated water that doesn't use chemicals or soaps that smell like a janitor's closet like other cleaning services. How about a Tom Bernard deal? Well, here it is. Get three rooms, zero-resified, starting at $129, and don't forget your air ducts. Mention me, and they'll discount your air vents by $75, too. This is for the entire month, so call them right now, 952-Zero-Res, backward or forwarded, spells the same, or book online, zero-res-minnesota.com. If it's available, ask for them to come to your place in the Tom Bernard named service truck. What an honor that was, by the way. Just mention me by name and get the special deal to get your home clean and your heart happy. Zero Res Carpet Care. Is that text you're sending so important that you missed your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with my Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. You have all helped support MyPillow and their employees in these tough economic times. Mike Lindell knows this and continues to give back to listeners with great deals on his most popular products. Right now, you can save 50% on Queen and King pillows and the original My Slippers, and the MyPillow six pack bath towel sets are back in stock. The proprietary technology makes them extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. Set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Regular price is $79.98. And for a limited time, you can get this six-pack towel set for only $39.99 with promo code TOM. That's a 50% savings. So go to MyPillow.com, use promo code TOM to save 50% on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets. That is just $39.99 for a set. This deal will not last long. Enter promo code TOM for this special and many more. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Michael Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with many multi-generational businesses. Take personal care dentistry of Roseville, for example. Dr. Walter Hunt, also known as Painless to me, has been a longtime customer of the bank since we opened the bank in 1998. When his son Kyle was ready to join the practice, they wanted to expand quickly. With their additional space and equipment, they now are able to see more patients each day while providing the same level of care and service. Okay, guys, I'll take it from here. If you run a family business or any kind of business for that matter, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. Every time I deal with them, or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. So why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast.
All right. My first question is probably mostly for Alex because Brittany, your daughter is one and a half. Andy, your son is two. Alex, your kids are five and seven. Have you seen Wonka? Uh, We are going on either Friday or Christmas Eve. What's the early word? I heard it's really good. That's why I'm even asking. Very excited because I love all things Wonka and weirdness, and so I'm super excited. I don't really love Timothy Chalamet that much, but we'll see. Who? He's the guy that's. He was in Dune. Is that what it's called? Yeah, 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 you're right. He was in Dune. I don't think I've ever seen anything of his. That's like the one movie I could think of that you would have seen that he's in. Ralph kept trying to get me to see it. He kept on trying. I remember. But then it came out and he was like, it sucks. Don't go see it. Okay. So I was like, great, great, great. All right. Yeah. Because he was, he was in that one. Call me by your name. Call me by your name. Bones and all and little women and and beautiful boys. I heard beautiful boys. Very sad movie. Hard pass on all of it. So, um, but you're really looking forward to it because yeah. I understand it did like $40 million opening weekend. Yeah, I'm really excited. I Fawn, I got her the cutest outfit for Christmas. Uh-oh. Oh, my gosh. When she wears it, I'm just going to like be like, look at how cute this kid is. Um, and part of it is a shirt that has the Wonka <laughs> thing on it. And I'm excited. So yeah, you're going I, when? We're either going on Friday because they don't have school Friday. That's their first day oh, of break. Or we're going on Christmas Eve because we're not doing anything on Christmas Eve. Other, we're making homemade Chex Mix. So that's our big plan for Christmas Eve. Well, now Raise you're the roof, y'all. Well, don't you have like three things on Christmas Day you have to do? Nope, not a thing. No. Christmas Day? Nope. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we literally have nothing. Well, Christmas Day was always like our nuclear family thing. That's not happening this year. So we were doing the same. We were just going to stay at home and do whatever. And we go to Florida the next day. So I'm like, fine by me. The kids can like run around with their presents. We'll watch a Christmas movie. Well, at a point, point, the nuclear family becomes your new family. So it's like, you know, you got to pass the torch at some point, right? What about wait a second, Dan? You guys used to go to like three different uh, celebrations at three different places. Not you a, used to go to the cabin and you used to go to all Not on Christmas Day. Places. We did the cabin Christmas. this Saturday. Well, you did, I did the cabin this Saturday. We always okay. do it the weekend before oh, okay. Christmas weekend, if that makes sense. Um, so we did the cabin and then we do Dan's family... Saturday. We always do it the day before Christmas Eve because his twin brother, Mike, his wife's family lives in Illinois. And so they drive on Christmas Eve to celebrate with her family Christmas Day. And it's a whole thing. So, yeah, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we have nothing. So basically you're going to celebrate it on the 26th and Andy's going to celebrate it on the 6th? Uh, 7th, 8th, I don't know. Well, Whatever we're not day. Celebrating. We're we already open. celebrated Christmas with you. And then that. That's true. We did. We're going to do two of them. What do you think of that action? Boy, oh boy. And as I brought up to everybody on the show earlier, you were very, very glad. You should be very glad you were not here this weekend because there was a tropical storm. It was unbelievable. Oh, really? Tropical storm. Oh, really? Holy God. Yeah, I, saw, I saw your casualty. There was a casualty? No, oh, you saw the pot? There was a pot that blew over. Oh. It was, <sighs> I know. Oh, I'm telling you, honestly, God, that pot cost 
your Nana plenty of money. That thing was expensive. Was it a hell. new one that she just bought, or is it an old? No, one? Is that no. the big blue one. The you know the big blue ones. Well, pots are freaking expensive. Yes, they are. Yeah, ever, they are. yeah like <laughs> ever since my kids started school, I have yep. needed my love to go somewhere. So I've bought plants, <laughs> and now I put my love into the plants and they grow and grow and grow and then you constantly have to buy new pots and pots are so expensive i can't even imagine how they much are. a outdoor like giant pot three hundred dollars they're like three four hundred bucks yeah yep, you're absolutely right they're so that. expensive so Andy, what are you doing on so you got christmas eve christmas day what do you have uh christmas eve is the melissa family day yeah okay because well, her birthday is the day before christmas eve right uh yes yeah so, her birthday Saturday. Yeah, yeah. We got her birthday, and then we got the family Christmas, and then we got our Christmas, and then we got a week of nothing. Yippee kayo, kayo. You're fine. So, Brittany, Tevin, what do you got? Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Uh, Christmas Eve, we'll go to my sister's house, and then Christmas Day, uh, same vibes, just chilling at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting. We have the neighbors, the Goldens, and so we'll probably make food all throughout the day and just kind of go back and forth in the cul-de-sac. Are your golden neighbors related to Richard Golden? Uh, I don't think so, but I, if is Richard amazing? Cause maybe then. <laughs> oh, he's a great guy. He's, a, he, he's one of my doctors. He's a great guy. Richard Golden's a wonderful doctor and a really good friend. Yeah. So find out if they're related to him. Cause then I'll like them more. Well, you would love Priscilla. She okay. is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. Devin, what do you got for Christmas? Uh, the Saturday, well, this Saturday going to my mom's. So that was at the 23rd. And then the uh, Christmas Eve, Vikings game, Christmas Day, just chilling at the house, hanging out. That's it. How about Kwanzaa? You going to celebrate Kwanzaa? Uh, yeah, no big Kwanzaa plans this year. None? <laughs> nope, just none, this, none this yeah. year. When is Kwanzaa? Couldn't tell you. So uh, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's the 26th to the 1st. Okay. Hanukkah's over. Oh, so they take up all the open space there. That's basically, good. yeah. They were like, oh, yeah. there's all this real estate in December. Yeah. Hanukkah's done. Hanukkah's Hanukkah over. Hanukkah's done. Yep. It's mm-hmm. over. It's absolutely true. All right. That is going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. We will talk to you in just a couple minutes with the family show, and we'll talk to everybody on the morning show tomorrow. Mm-hmm.